Welcome to the Life Church STL podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope this message encourages and inspires you. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. This morning, uh, I'm going to be talking about, uh, speaking about the first miracle that, that Jesus did in his ministry and uh, just try to draw some things out that I believe that God wants us to hear and, and hopefully will help us to understand and become a better follower and listener and to have faith and to trust God and to trust what he is asking of us. And, you know, in this And the, oh, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Let me just let me just stay to the beginning, okay? I was going to get ahead of myself. Sometimes I do that, and I don't want to. Let's just read this story real quick in John two, starting in verse one. It says, "On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now, both Jesus and his disciples were in, invited to the wedding." And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, Fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. When the master of the feast has tasted the water that was made into wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called to the bridegroom. And he said to him, every man at the beginning of sets out the good wine, and when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior. You have kept the good wine until now. This is the beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. And in this, and really in John, there's many different places where it talks about the glory that Jesus manifested in his glory. And in this also, I believe that along with the rest of, of John, as he's speaking these things, he's wanting us to see the glory of Jesus, to, to see how Jesus manifested his glory and, and that we are to understand. And even you see in, a little bit later here in this story with Mary, that she, she says, do whatever he says. And and she doesn't take in it. She doesn't say, do whatever I say. And Jesus is going to do it. She doesn't take any of the glory for, him, for herself. She asked of him, but then she just says, he's going to do it. It's not anything of me. It's about his glory. So we have here in in, uh, John 2, verse 1 and 2, on the third day there was a wedding at Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And in this, you know, 
It doesn't say why he was invited. It doesn't say, um, you know, if it was a friend or a family member or, or something like that. But the, really the point I think that we can see in this is Jesus was invited into this space, so he came. Jesus comes, in, and I heard uh, a pastor say, say this, and it just, Pastor Tori and I heard this, and it just stuck with us so much, and we kept saying it to, our, to ourselves and, and saying it to people, and they said, Jesus always came where he was invited. He didn't refuse. In some stories, you know, they ask, like, come heal my daughter, and, and he said, your faith has made her well. He did that work, but he didn't have to come all the way there. But where he was invited, he did come, and he did work. And I think we need to take that and ask ourselves, are, are we inviting him into our life? Are we inviting, you're like, oh, I've, I've Yes, I've accepted Jesus, if you have. You say, I, I've, I've walked with him for quite a while, but yes, we can do that and still not invite him into places in our lives. We can be walking with him and still have these separate places, or even just not ask him to come and do what he does in certain areas of our lives. But are we inviting him into our life, into our issues, into the situations that we're going through? Are we inviting him into the good and the bad? The all put together and the mess. Are we inviting him into all those spaces? Because he comes when he's invited. In verse 3, John 2, 3, and when they ran out of wine... The mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And it's very interesting. It says, the mother of Jesus. And, and I believe in this, possibly John's trying to like give us this narrative of that this is Jesus' mother asking him as his mother. Because I'm going to get to some more of this in a little bit. The mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And in this, you know, you have to see that in this time, whenever you have a wedding, it is a big deal. It's a huge deal. They were just done up, and if you didn't have enough food and drink, it was a big deal. Like, it wasn't like, oh man, you just made this a bad night. It was like, it would probably be held over the couple for the rest of their lives. Like you were throwing this party for this wedding and it was the biggest thing of the year and the biggest thing of your life and you are supposed to prepare this in a way that, that we all have plenty so that we can celebrate and have joy and, you know, and all this. And if you ran out of wine or food, it was a disgrace to the couple that were getting married, to the family. So we have to see that. And they said they have no wine. And Mary brought this 
to Jesus, the, the mother of Jesus, right? Mary had, of course, walked alongside of her son throughout, throughout the years of his life. She knew now that the time was coming for him to start doing some stuff, you know, to maybe show some miraculous signs and wonders. She knew that he had just gone through these temptations and walked these 40 days and 40 nights. She knew that, that God had blessed him and he had been baptized and, and, and that he had said, this is my son. And I don't know exactly how far after those circumstances, but it's probably pretty close and she's probably like, this is it. His ministry's happening. It's going to start. And they come to this wedding and they're invited and they're all there and they run out of wine. And she comes to him and says, they don't have wine. It wasn't wrong for her to say they don't have wine, that they to come to Jesus and, and ask him. But in this, like I said, this way that John is laying out, the mother of Jesus, that she came to him as his mother, it seems. And that's what I'm trying to build up is that the response that Jesus gave her is not some rude response. And it's funny, I always like to read it, you know, where Jesus says, woman, you know, like, woman, how dare you, woman, you know? But that's not what it is. The way that he's responding, she is responding, the mother of Jesus coming to ask, and to, to say they've run out of wine, and he responds to her and says, listen, I'm not going to do this as your son. And in verse 4, John 2, 4, Jesus said to her, woman, that does not, con what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. And when Jesus spoke this, these words, when he said woman, this woman is just the term used for any woman, for any female. And so she came to him as his mother. And when he responded, he responded in this way that says, listen, I'm separating this relationship because I've been raised by you and I love you and I would do anything for you. But the time has come that I'm not doing things for you or because you ask me, but I'm doing things because my Father is asking me. So I'm not going to just do this just because you've asked me as my mother. It's interesting, he says, my time has not yet come. And in that, he used that that phrase about his time coming to be on the cross, but in this, this phrase really just means the time of, of anything that's supposed to happen, like his time. And in this, the, the, the cross, the, the finality of what he had come to earth 
to do had not yet come in those statements. And in this, he's saying, but my time has not yet come. The, the beginning of the ministry and the manifestations of, of who I am and my glory is, is not yet come. Is what he's saying. My time is yet. And I think about this and I'm like, he's telling her, my work with like bringing about signs and wonders and miracles and things happening like that is not supposed to happen right now. Anybody thought about that? I thought about it and I'm like, I mean, if he's really saying that, that, and he's responding and saying, I'm not going to respond to you as your son and I'm not going to do this just because you're my mother. And my time hasn't come yet. But there must be something that has happened here because he ends up doing this miracle. He says, my hour has not yet come. It wasn't the time for him to start showing his glory by doing miracles. But then he did it. It doesn't say this, but we have to think that, that in that moment when Mary asked him and he said, my time hasn't come, that there was a moment after that he spent time asking his father. He must have taken that moment and prayed and asked God, hey. I mean, he may not have said hey, but He must have taken that moment and, and, and just asked God, God, do you want me to help in this situation? Because he doesn't do anything if it's outside of God's will and what he wants. And in John 5, 19, it says this actually a number of times in John. It says something like this in, in John 5, 19, it says, Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. And he says in different places, I do nothing unless it's the Father that has asked me to do it. He wasn't going to be manipulated by flesh or emotions. You know, like I said about this mother-son relationship, and it's, it's a great relationship, and it's not like I'm saying something you know, was happening there where he's not liking his mother anymore. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is he was stepping into a different place and said, I, I've taken care of you, I, I've I've been there with you, but now I'm stepping into this ministry. I am only going to do, I'm not going to do anything based on my fleshly desires or anybody else's fleshly desires or anybody else's emotions, but I'm going to do it only based on what my Father says. And in this moment, he's like, what does this have to do with me? My time has not yet come and then in verse 5, in John 2, 5, his mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. I, yeah. 
He basically just told her, and again, I don't know exactly what she saw, if she saw him praying and asking God, and she got some confirmation, but to me, in this scripture, what it shows me is that she just trusted and had so much faith in who her son was, but now she's not going to be able to just see her as son and ask him to do it as son. But she has so much faith that she says, she turns to the servants and says, whatever he, does, whatever he asks you, just do it. She had faith. She had faith that God was going to move. And she spoke as if it was going to happen. Now, how many times in our life we come to these moments and we're, got, we're like asking God, God, I need you to move in this circumstance, this situation. And the words that are coming out of our mouth are not words that are speaking that it's going to happen. The words that are coming out of our mouths are the words that are speaking that it probably won't happen and, and I'm going to have to you know, do this and that, and I'm not really even sure, and can God do this? And we know he can, but does he want to do it for me? And am I the only one that has gone through those moments? No. Yeah. But in this moment, he even told her, this doesn't have anything to do with me. She said, whatever he tells you to do, do it. Are we doing what he is telling us to do? I, I hear in this, no matter what it looks like, no matter what the, the situation or the circumstance, whatever is going on in our lives, whatever he tells you to do, do it. Are we doing the things that he's asking us to do? You know, we ask him of things all the time. Of God, we're like, God, will you do this? Will you work this in my life? God, will you help me? God, will you strengthen me? God, give us peace. God, you know, we're, we're asking God of these things. And do we understand that he's asking things of us? Because we'll see in this story also that Jesus doesn't just perform this miracle and, and do it all on his own and not invoke the help of others, but actually he brings them into this miracle process and asks them to be a part of it. And what God is doing is he says, I want you to be a part of what I'm doing. If you listen and, and, and do what I'm asking you to do, I want, yes, I'm the one performing the miracle. I'm the one that is working this out in your life. Yes, I am the one that is doing all these things, but I want you to be a part of it. So we can't just sit around and do nothing and just expect God to do something. Now again, he is the one that does it. 
But he said, will you get up and allow me to use you to be my hands and feet? Verse 6 and 7, John 2, 6. Now there were set there six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews concerning t- or containing 20 or 30 gallons of peace. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. See, Jesus began with this first miraculous thing that he does using what was at hand. It's just there's six water pots that are sitting there over to the side, and he used what was there. Do you know that God, he uses what we have to be a part of the miracles that he wants to do in our lives and other lives around us. He he uses what, what we have. And he told them, fill those water pots with water. And I'm sure if you're like me, you're like, okay, we've got water pots and we've got water. But how do we get wine out of that, you know? But you take and you see these servants and, and, and he says, fill these water pots with water. And they don't, not only filled them, but they filled them to the brim. Not only being obedient and doing what he's asking them to do, but they're doing it to the utmost, to the best of their ability. Could you imagine even carrying them back or however, like how much, you know, struggle it was to carry these pots back and to not spill it and all this stuff. But they said, if he said to fill them with water, there's not going to be any air in them at all. There's just going to be water. We're going to fill them all the way up to the top. <clears throat> and they filled them to the brim. Listen, it's, it's, it shows us this, this miracle that's going to happen. It's going to be done to the greatest capacity that it could possibly be done. There was no extra left over that could have happened, that could have been done. They were filled to the brim Every drop of water that turned to wine was all that possibly could have happened. There was no lack in this miracle. There's no wondering if he could have done more. It was everything that... And they filled them to the brim. We trust him enough to fill it to the brim. See, he's asking us, will we do this thing that he's asking us to do? Are we going to do that? But not only are we going to do those things that he's asking us to do when he speaks to us, hey, I want you to do this. Are we going to do them, but not only do them, but do them to the utmost? to do them to the best of our ability, to fill that water pot to the brim so there's no left over. 
you know, I don't know about you, but when God asks us to do something and he wants to do something in our lives and you know, it's, it's not that I don't trust that he could do abundantly more than what I've asked, but sometimes we come and say, God, well, you know what, if you only just do this, this will be helpful. If you could, if you could at least, if you could at least do this, If you could just help me in just this, this small way, then, then I can get by. But what I see in this, what I see in this is that we shouldn't be asking and shouldn't be, our actions shouldn't be like, God, just maybe just this little bit can you help me with? But our actions should be like, I'm going to make, <laughs> I'm going to make my mind set to, to that God is going to do this miracle and, and he's not going to have to come back and do more because I'm going to give him everything that I have and I'm going to believe that he is going to do it all the way and not just a little bit. In verse 8 it says, John 2, 8, and then he said to them, draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and he said to them, every man at the beginning sets out good wine and when the guests have well drunk, the inferior, you have kept the good wine. Until now. Well, first of all, Jesus speaks to these servants, and you gotta be, I just imagine being one of these servants, and Mary's like, do what he says, he's gonna do something, and just listen to him. So are we listening to him? Are we doing what he says? And these servants, they bring these water pots and they're like, yep, we're going to fill them up with water, like he said, and we're going to fill them up to the brim. We're being obedient to the full, to the utmost. And they set them in front of him. And then they set them down. And then he says, now, right now, take some to the master of ceremonies. Draw some out now and take it to the master. Can you imagine being one of those servants? But I can, because I know that sometimes in my life, this is how it looks whenever God asks me to do something and I bring him the, the, you know, the, the bucket of water and, and I'm like, it's water, God. And he's like, now draw some out of it and take it to the one that will know if it's good or not. And I say, it's water. And he's like, are you doing what I ask you to do? Do you see what I'm saying here? These servants, they're like, man, not only the faith of, of Jesus' mother here that just says, just do what he says, but then the servants, they're like, okay, we're going to do it. And he says, give me some water. They brought him some water filled to the brim. And then he says, draw some out and take it right now. And they did it. 
without a question, do, are we walking in that faith that without question, knowing, look, they knew they just filled those pots up with water. Jesus had not performed a miracle before. Mary knew who Jesus was. These servants, I mean, they didn't really know yet. But without question, they drew the water out of these vessels and took it to the master of ceremonies. It doesn't say, I, I don't know if you're like me, I want to know, I wish I knew, why didn't they tell us? But it doesn't say if the water turned to wine in the jugs or if it turned to wine when they took it out and poured it into the glass. It doesn't say. But at some point, it turned. I think it would have been awesome if it looked like water all the way until, you know. That would have been awesome also would have been terrifying for the one pouring. But isn't it sometimes like that for us? Do we trust Him? Do we trust that He is going to do the thing that He said He would do? And sometimes we look back and Jesus, it still looks like water. It's like, go, go give it to the Master. He didn't take it to the guests you know, to the family, you know, to the people that had just come. But the master, of, this is the guy that would know whether this wine was good wine. I mean, especially anybody would know if it was water, right? But this is the guy that would know if it was the good stuff or the stuff that we just waited till later because, it, you know, we were running out of money. We didn't have, you know, so we just got the cheaper stuff. To take it to him, put this, this thing that I am doing to the test. But do we trust him? No matter what it looks like when he's asking us, he's saying, I'm doing something, I'm working this thing out. Will you trust me? Will you work with me? He brought these servants into this place, into this. I, I love this story even because it's not that, that the disciples, that those that are already started following, he, following him were asked to do these things and they were brought into the miracle. No, it was the servants that were brought into the miracle. When the master of the feast tasted the water that was made into wine and did not know where it came from. Now listen, this master of the feast, this guy that was basically the guy that was supposed to plan and make sure everything happened exactly the way that it was supposed to happen and, and make sure everything was good. Like I said, if you ran out of food or, or wine or drink or whatever, this is the guy that would be like, you guys... You guys didn't do it right. 
This is shameful. This is disrespectful. And Jesus said, take him and take it to him and let him taste it. And so whenever he got it, he didn't know where this came from. He didn't know that this was going to be a miracle, that water was going to be turned into wine. He just thought that they were bringing him wine. So when he tasted it, he wasn't testing a miracle. He was just testing whether this wine was, you know, the cheaper wine that people usually keep till later. But it specifically says in here, but the servants knew. They, they knew what had happened because they knew that they put water into those jugs and then Jesus asked them to take it to the master of ceremonies. And when he drank this that was given to him, he called to the bridegroom. He said, listen, hey, I need to talk to you. He says, everybody, everybody that, that has wine at weddings, what they do is they put out the best stuff at the beginning. The more expensive stuff, they do the best at the very front. And then when everybody's had a little bit to drink, they start just kind of like getting worse and worse, you know? Like maybe they won't notice. And now let me tell you, in this day, yes, it was wine, but wine was diluted in that day. It was like two parts wine to, one, to three parts water, I think. So it wasn't that, you know, you drink a glass of wine and now you're all just tipsy. The master of ceremonies says, listen, everybody brings out the best first and waits till everybody may be just having so much fun and laughing and dancing and they bring out the stuff that's not as good. But you've brought out the best at the end. And in this we see, like if you can just see with me that in life, in, in the natural, that's what happens. Everybody puts their best foot forward, right? Best foot forward. The enemy makes things, the devil makes things look good at first and then reveals later on that they're not what they seem. It's like, I'm going to trick you, right? Just like many people did at these wedding feasts. I'm going to trick you with this thing that looks great, but then it's going to be a switcheroo, and it's not what you seem. There's something behind it that's not great. It's good, not good. It's not what you should do, but you've already been tricked into going down this path. But in this, we see that that. The best 
is not put first with God because he wants to trick us the best. He says, is coming, is still coming. And you may think that it's good now, but you have to understand that the best is yet to come. Because what he has doesn't get inferior or doesn't change, but it keeps getting better. Can we see that? In the natural, in, in, and what the enemy does is, is, is try to trick us, and he puts those best things first, but that's not what God does. Not that he puts bad things first. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that he will bring better and better and do more and more. And he, I mean, I believe that in my life, in our lives, that it is not, it's not that I've had my best days, no matter where we are in life. That we should never be able to say that. I've had my best days. Right, Grandma? That with God, we do not say that, but we say our best is yet to come. That God has more. He has more for me. He has better for me. That I can walk each and every day of my life and know that I'm not going to start getting the inferior wine. But I'm going to keep getting the miraculous wine, right? Am I being like one of those servants and just doing what he says and can I be brought into that miracle? And listen, in this, I want to conclude with this. In this miracle, In many other miracles, in different times in the Bible where, you know, the bitter water was made sweet and salt was put in it, and there was different things that, that miracles that God did in the Old Testament, and even the miracles that Jesus did while he was walking this earth, and there was these moments where he healed a sick body, where he brought Lazarus back to life. But in this moment, you have Jesus doing something that is totally different because it's him taking water and making it wine. He didn't have the grapes. He didn't have the time. Wine takes a long time to make, right? It takes grapes. It takes the process of, of making it, then the process of leaving it to ferment and to... to, to become what it's supposed to be. But we see in this miracle, unlike other miracles where God used something and, and, and made it what it was supposed to be, where God takes in this miracle and he takes and makes something out of nothing. He makes wine out of water. He didn't have grapes and he didn't have the time, but God says, listen, I'm not bound by time and I'm not bound by what I've been given or you've been given, let me say. 
I'm not bound by those things because I created the grapes and I created the time and I don't have to use them if I don't want to. And in this moment, in an, in an instant, he turns water into wine. And there's so many things that I could say about that, but in closing, I just want to say, like I just want to express that in this, I, I think about that there's so many times that we say, God, well, can I use, can you use this, what I have? And in many times, that's what, right? He used the, the pots to put the water in. But do we also understand that he doesn't have to have the pots and could have done it any way he wanted to? And in reality, that's what he did with the wine. He said, I can take this water and make it whatever I want. And what he's speaking to you today is he says, I can, he's speaking to me too. I can take you and make you whatever I want you to be. Because I don't know about you, but in my life, in many times, I'm like, God, are you sure? Are you sure it's me? Are you sure I'm the one that's supposed to do this? Are you sure you can use me? Are you sure that, that I'm the one? I, I don't know, God. Yes, I went to, I went to school, and I, I went to ministry school, but God, I really didn't do that good in it. I mean, you know. I'm not the best student. But God says, do you, do you trust me? Do you trust what I am speaking to you and will you obey? Will you listen? Because that's all that he needs. He doesn't need your knowledge, my knowledge. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't need our strength or, or my strength to do it. All he needs is for us to be willing. All he needs is for us to say yes and to be obedient. And he'll turn our water into wine, if you will. He'll turn us into what he's created us to be. He'll He'll make us everything that is needed in, in the world around us that, that we can be used by Him. You know, in, in this, wine was a symbol of, of joy in that day. And it said that, it said that, you know, the running out of, of wine would be a symbol of that, that there would not be happiness in the marriage, there would not be happiness that if there was wine there and it lasted till the end of the ceremony, then all that was going on, that it just, it, it represented a joyous life and, and the joy of people. And that's what this representation was. And in this moment also, I believe God is speaking. He's listening. The best is yet to come. And this wine, speaking of joy, that it's, we're not going to run out of joy. I'm, he says, I'm not asking you. And I, again, like I said, I, I need to hear this today too, that I, I, I'm, what I'm not, 
What he's asking us to do is not that we are going to have to walk through difficulty after difficulty after difficulty, and it's always going to be hard, and it's always going to be a struggle. But I believe what he's speaking in this today, and what he's speaking to me, speaking to us, is that I'm not going to allow this joy to run out. Actually, I'm going to make this symbol of joy that was at this wedding ceremony and the symbol of joy that that we have. He says, listen, it's going to be better. He says, because I'm your, he says, I'm your joy. Will you follow me? Will you listen? Will you do what I'm asking you to do? Will you allow me to use you? And will you just walk with me to see me transform Nothing into something. Your pain into joy. That struggle into something good that I can use and we can do together. It says, will you walk with me in this? Will we allow him to do that in our lives? Would you stand with me? Thanks for listening today. We pray this message encourages you. If you have any questions or you'd like to learn more about us as a church, you can always visit us online by going to lifechurchstl.com.